Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, Ryan Bailey, hosts a popular podcast on iHeartRadio called So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. After graduating from Arizona State University with a bachelor's degree in theater, Ryan went straight to L.A. to start a career in acting and directing. He gained notoriety in guest starring roles on The Office, How I Met Your Mother, Tosh.0, and a plethora of Lifetime movies. When COVID hit, Ryan was forced to pivot and started podcasting full time. He began filling his days with six-hour-long recording sessions and nonstop Instagram memes. His show was then picked up by iHeartRadio, catapulting him to one of the top pop culture analysts. Ryan turned a love of reality TV and pop culture into a podcast and a business. Due to extraordinary circumstances, he pivoted and he turned adversity to his advantage. And here in the flesh to tell us all about his journey, Ryan Bailey is in my heart. Welcome. I I think I'm having an out of body experience. This is if you would have told me during the pandemic that someday I would be on your podcast, who I have been a huge fan of and watched you for so many. I mean, this truly is an out of body experience. So thank you. And thank you to anyone listening today. This is going to be amazing. I swear. Just hang in with us. I adore you. First of all, you're successful. Number one, because of your amazing radio voice. How many people have told why, you you have an th- Why, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> you really have a hot, sexy radio voice. So if I made your day with just having you on my podcast, how about calling you hot and sexy? How's By that the work? way, yeah. Is it, are you doing a cameo for me right now? Is that, <laughs> like, I was like, do I have to pay for this? <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Okay, so let's get into it. So you were just making it as an actor, but not real success. And then you lost your job during COVID at the acting school you worked for. And you you have to do what many have to do when things like this happen. You pivoted, but you turned a love of reality and pop culture to your podcast and you found quick success with it. Tell us about this journey. Well, I mean, it's it's really I mean, I, I grew up uh, as an actor or, you know, when you when you do like children's theater and then that goes into community theater, then that goes into college theater. And then you think, oh, I can be a star in Hollywood. And then, you know, 15 years goes by and that doesn't necessarily happen. And you start to get really scared because you realize everything that everybody had told you all all along about, you know, 
acting being a lottery is completely true. Uh, it is such a scary place in Los Angeles, especially as a place that deals in dreams. So it's a really weird environment out here. And I taught actors for a long time at the acting studio for like 13 years, but you know, it changed everything. And then the thing that I loved was always reality shows and pop culture. And I never knew why really as a kid, I was just consumed and I'm a straight dude from Kansas. I, this isn't not, this is not the typical thing that all my guy friends love sports. I don't even, I don't like sports. Housewives are my sports. But my thing was, is like, this is the thing that is providing me solace and comfort. And I'm just, it makes me laugh so much. I love to talk to other people about it. And I started just doing that as a, as a hobby for free. And as you move on with it, you start realizing there actually started to be an audience of people listening and wanting to continue the conversation with you. And it was an excuse to talk to all of these people. I'm not that brave in my real life, but it gave me an excuse to reach out to people that I'd always wanted to talk to, but I never had a reason. Like, I just, I just want to say, Hey, and now you had a reason. And it really, it was such a scary time and, and still is in some ways due to the pandemic, but I would just be sitting there at my desk all hours of the night, just kind of speaking into a void into the microphone. And it was just the, most comforting thing because you realize, whoa, this might be the reason why I've always loved this stuff. And wow, this is kind of entertainment. This is like acting in a sense. And you see how all of that stuff that you've done your entire life kind of all pieces together a little bit. It's so unbelievably fascinating. It's, how did you think this fascination started a long time ago? What were your early reality shows that you that hooked you? What was it that hooked you into it? Was it Kim Kardashian? What was it? Pop culture no, icon? No, no. What was it? <laughs> you know, I mean, first I got to say it was like shows like Entertainment Tonight when I was a kid. Like it okay. was Kansas and I got to interview John Tesh, who was one of the hosts of Entertainment Tonight. Sure. And like, which he was even like, why do you want to talk to me? And I was like, you were the guy when I was a kid, I would turn on in Kansas Channel 4, 6 p.m. And you would be the guy with Mary Hart talking about all of these Hollywood celebrities. I, I never even knew that a place like Hollywood, you would actually move to it. it. You know, I still see the Hollywood sign and no matter how hard things are, it's like, wow, you got here from Kansas. Um, but it was that and just kind of the love of behind the scenes. There was something about like seeing these people on TV, not playing their characters. This was kind of even before reality shows. And then yeah. when the real world hit on MTV, that first season in New York, I was still really young. But for me, it was... I mean, I didn't even know what groundbreaking probably meant at the time, but I knew it was something different and I knew I was so attracted to it. And they were having real conversations that I remember I would, I was like, I hope I have real conversations like that with people one day. I hope I learn like, like Julie's learning from Alabama, what it's like to talk to Kevin. And then that usually feeds into like your survivor. And then the housewives started and Bravo. And I was there from night one, Real Housewives of Orange County. I was like, I know, I think I know this is something I'll like. And it just, uh, but it's, it's so funny. When I first started watching this stuff, I didn't know there was a whole community. I wasn't tech savvy. I wasn't social media savvy. And, you know, when I, I, I'm divorced and when I was going through my separation and divorce five years ago, that's when I found out there was like these online communities oh, yeah. that loved all the, like that knew all the little moments that we, we would talk for, you know, hours about Aviva throwing her leg or something. Yeah. these iconic moments that you've lived through. And we would sit there and dissect them and make each other laugh. And I remember it just like made such a painful time in my life that much better, but it, it's such a weird through line to get to that point. Cause I'm there auditioning and trying to get jobs on the, like never even considering that there was something in this space for me. 
Yeah, in this way where you're not necessarily on the stage per se, as you know it, but you're actually kind of analyzing what's going on in these worlds and, and having conversations about it. It's interesting because it sounds to me like your entertainment tonight, a kind of obsession, interest in Hollywood really tied into your acting desires, right? Yeah, yeah. But then it sounds to me like some devastation in your life, maybe during some trouble in your marriage or whatever, is when reality TV really became consoling to you. Is yeah. that make oh, sense? Uh, I mean, completely. I, I think a lot of people apologize about pop culture and their love of reality shows. And I, I think it's a valid art form like anything else. And we should not apologize about these things that provide solace and laughter. Love it with your chest out. Like this is, this is good. This is, there's healing that can come from this. And I know this sounds a little sanctimonious and sappy, but truly I've met the best people, the funniest people, the smartest people, and some really idiots along the way too, through this uh, this form reality yeah. shows like through people's love of this, I, I've been introduced to just a whole different life. Everything that you just described is exactly why I wanted to do the show. And it wasn't truly the reality, though. I mean, I know you have thoughts and positive views on working women, et cetera, et cetera. So why do you think you've liked a lot of reality TV when you see it showing a different type of strong women? Like what? You know, because it's not necessarily positive. I think about this a lot and I think the culture and I guess what Bravo creates specifically, you know, it's not that far off from the Marvel universe. It's not that far off from a superhero universe. These are extreme characters going through extreme situations that do things that you're like, my gosh, did that just happen? Did that just happen? And there's always this kind of undercurrent of actual reality happening where somebody's dealing with an eating disorder or somebody's dealing with a death, things that we can all relate to and that are truly inspiring. It kind of gives a foundation. We always talk about this in theater of then you can actually do the real crazy stuff because if you always come back to to reality of this real, the real meat, you can go as crazy as you want. But I think what attracts to me is I like bizarre. I like, I like comedy that comes from awkward situations, whether it be the office or, you know, some of the funniest things you're ever going to see in Real Housewives of New York is, you know, Ramona and Luann and Sonia and you at a point talking over each other. And you could create four different audios from that or four different scenes. We talk about like a David Mamet play where they just talk over each other the entire time. And I was like, Bravo needs to charge $10 a month. Give us control of the audio. We could watch it four different ways by just bumping up Ramona's audio, bumping your audio up, lowering hers. You would get four different scenes. 150%. I mean, what you see and what really happens is like a sliver and a slice. Now, it's interesting just talking to you about this is, you have an uh, like an uh, like an analytical brain about it from from a director standpoint, from like, you know, someone who studied theater, understands theater, producer standpoint. You know, a lot of viewers aren't, you know, kind of taking it apart that way. I think that those funny scenes were funny. And I think that early on in my world of reality television, I want to talk about reality television, too, because it's certainly not just the housewives. I mean, you can watch someone trying to make it in a forest for 100 days. You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? Like with an axe yeah, and, a, yeah. and a, you know what I mean? And I, and I really find that fascinating. You know, the survival of the fittest and all the ways they figure out, way, you know, and it teaches me life skills because I like to hike. So I find well, I'm sorry, that house housewives is becoming survival too. There's a game element to housewives that have never existed before. Right. I feel, you know, that's it's right. like, it's, it's becoming a way different franchise. These franchises are becoming way different than they've ever been in the past. 
That's a hundred percent. Cause I was going to say like everything that you described is why I went on it, but geez, I mean, I'm off the show like eight years or something like that now, even though I made cameos and I went back, which we don't need to talk about, but <laughs> I, you know, it's just like, why do you like, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because you know, the longest running shows in TV, let's see here. Like, Meet the Press, 74 years. The Tonight Show, 67 years. Saturday Night Live, 46 years, right? What do they all have in common? You know, there's a commonality of they're either reporting on news, you know, current events in the news, right? Or it's it's a comedy. Yeah. And it's the same format of comedy, interviewing celebrities. What, what do we get? We got a host change, right? Saturday Night Live, it's all still the skits. We just get to meet new amazing comedians. And then you have The Simpsons for 32 years. They're different, right, than the other longest running series on TV, which are the soaps. The soaps are ongoing storylines that outline a character that's created and they outlast careers and they out outlast true human lifetimes, right? Because they're written for made up characters. Now, the Housewives of Zoe C, I think, is about 16 years old. Yeah. So and that format is so different than the others. So very different than the others, this format. So what is the reality of its shelf life? You know, when will people start to look for the new or what you said before, the return of the old, the origin story? I think that's why people are so excited about looking at the older episodes. I love I mean, I love what you're This is exactly and I, the dark underbelly of what you just said, too, is that that's all amazing. But remember, the real reason the TV was even created in the first place was to sell soap was to have advertising, was to right. sell sell commercials, basically. That's right. why this was all created. But I love to always think about what is going to stand the test of time. And especially, you know, when you talk about Meet the Press or Saturday Night Live, these are institutions. And I, I, I love... I love an institution. I love uh, repetition. I, I get I take real solace and comfort in watching Saturday Night Live each week because my dad started me watching it when when I was a kid and I don't even like it anymore. And I still watch it just by I just have to watch it. Right. But I get I get worried because we have so much now, so much, you know, so much pop culture, so much media. I don't know how kids and I, I have a nephew that's 13 years old and He's always on Discord and all of these different things. He's I, I don't know how your brain can keep up with all of this. I'm trying to learn how to use TikTok now. And I finally feel like it's how when I teach my parents how to use a remote control that they don't know how to use. I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I wonder about that because there's so much good stuff out there. There's so much good, like almost too much good where you almost start not appreciating good. Because it's it's everywhere. You're like, well, I don't have time to watch all of that. I mean, I right. guess it's or good. you just stop appreciating your own good. You're looking at everybody else's good or, you know, yeah. a beautiful like nature meme or something like that. And you're like, I have, you know, 32 acres right here. I could go nature in. It's really. And if you really think about it, it starts to become maddening because you're like, well, how do I make a waiver? How do I participate in this? Or what gives me the right to ask people for their ears, uh, you know, just to be silly with me. But I do wonder that in terms of the housewives is that this is something that was specifically created. You know, the housewives yes. did not exist before Bravo. I mean, housewives right. did exist, obviously. But they're but not the is, same housewives. That was a very no, different no. definition <laughs> of a housewife. But no one's ironing on exactly. I mean, like Martin Scorsese brought up the housewives at one point. Like, you know, this is considered a form it's an of institution. Art. It's an institution on its own. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is aside from like meet the press and tonight show, because the businesses that have been created off of the institution of housewives, 
off of this franchise. So when I was first on the show, first of all, there was Twitter only. So when I was on the house, there was only Twitter and it had, you know, I mean, Carol, I I wasn't even on Twitter. I got on Twitter (laughs) because of the housewives and I had a business. So it wasn't like people were like, oh, what's your social media? I mean, you have to have a social media presence. It was just really starting up. Now Elon Musk owns the whole thing and he could do whatever he wants with it. I mean, it's just so crazy. So then uh, the chat rooms didn't exist. A podcast like yours talking about the show didn't exist. It was happening in cafes and around the water cooler and that sort of thing. And I think for me was the saddest reality, but also the concern was during the pandemic when I did have a chance to go back and we really did have an opportunity to do good. It was the best shot we had at doing good. And I didn't walk. I ran from that because it was not that at all. It wasn't going to be that at all. And when will people look for the new or the return of that origin story? And I think that's maybe why some of these shows are moving to Peacock or they're doing like the all stars housewives where they're putting people from different cities together. And and why do you think it is that they're doing that not on the Bravo network, but on this Peacock network? Like what is well, all that? I mean, remember NBC universal is it's a conglomerate and right. you know, they own Bravo. They own all of this. So right. this is a way to get eyes over to another streaming service. Now, eventually it's going to be eaten by another streaming service and they right. will combine. Right. It's like when one brand meets another brand and then they have a baby brand it's very it's very hysterical but what they're doing is they're putting you know there's these marquee things like they're below deck they're having a franchise over on peacock ultimate girls trip you know real housewives of miami premiered exclusively on peacock but they want you they want your nine dollars a month and then they're going to throw it on bra but like it's all about content and that sometimes worries me because when it becomes about quantity over quality yeah it's getting worried I'm always quantity over like my shows are long as heck, you know, like I'm quantity over quality all the way, but I like my TV quality over quantity. And what worries me is that with Bravo specifically, and I still think this, they've had an amazing year, but I get worried in the sense that are we bringing new people in? Like there's people like, uh, like me and all of the, the, uh, my gang that are obsessed with this stuff. But are we bringing new eyes in? Are we welcoming new people? Or do you, is it like law and order where I've never seen an episode and I'm so scared now because there's just, I hear there's like 80 billion seasons and I'll never, I'll be like, I can't, I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't think I can go to the first season to like know what's going on. And you get scared of something <laughs> big like this. And I do wonder about that with Bravo of like, okay, cool, but let's, let's do the outreach. Let's show that it's all right to bring new people in because if not, you're going to see Fran- like TLC, the learning channel, they have their 90 day fiance franchise and they, 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 they got all over Bravo. Like they have double the ratings that Bravo does on a Sunday night, which is just wild because they took Bravo's format in a lot of ways, co-opted it, made it cheaper and are more successful at churning it out. And I find that just, I was like, dang, like Bravo, get your head in the game. So I was excited about Peacock because it was like, okay, yeah, start create like, this is a universe. You're mingling housewives from New York with housewives from Beverly Hills. Like, let's all be under one roof. And I really liked that. But I know Mr. Cohen fought against that for a second or thought it would be the, the death nail or, you know, in the coffin. Well, I, I, we fought for it when I was on the show because we had, genuine relationships with people in Los Angeles, for example, or people in New Jersey, for example. What I found fascinating about the real world is regular people got to be on TV. That was, I never really watched the real world because I just graduated college. I was busy finding jobs, blah, 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 but starting career. But I find it fascinating that just normal people could go get on a TV show. 
but it was always for behaving badly or, you know, doing something weird and, you know, or, or these conflicts, these fights. And then the housewives came along and it was really about women kind of getting along with women and obviously the catty behavior and seeing the money and the wealth. And that was really exciting to see, but the churning of that into not seeing like the thing about this, um, 90 day fiance, you're really seeing people talk about what they want in relationships, how they feel about people, what some of their past was. It is because I've watched a couple of shows with my daughter, but they're either someone's getting together at the end. There's like something to look forward to. You know what I mean? With these people, it's like the speed dating idea, right? Yeah. 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 Where, you know, where the bachelor for me as a woman, even though millions and millions of people watched it, it was never a show that I was going to you know sign up to because I found it horrible. <laughs> just every, every, I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. It's just not for me, but like with the new Kardashians, now they're talked about, you know, the end of the Kardashians, now they're back and now they're on Hulu. What the hell's the difference other than the network? Is there one? Yeah. It, the difference is just, it's, it's a brilliant PR move from Chris Jenner. You know, the reality of the situation, anybody listening is that E would not, I mean, they were not going to renegotiate a contract that would pay them more. And when you are a family like the Kardashians or a conglomerate like the Kardashians, you always want more. It's got to be bigger and better. The the press release has to be signed for more. So the only obvious solution would be to go to a streaming service. Now, Hulu is interesting in that sense, especially because they don't release their figures, right? Like they don't, they don't have to release their figures. So I predicted, and I was right that last week, uh, you know, the second week of the 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 new series on Hulu premiered and they did a variety article of like uh, most watched show of between this. Like it was a very vague article that I predicted and it was probably part of the contract that they will come out and say huge hit. You guys huge. We can't release the numbers, but trust us, it is huge. And that is all part of it because you realize the Kardashians especially became one big, their their reality show is one big commercial. It's yeah. one big commercial for all their other brands. And it's a really good landing page. And that's why even if you love or hate the Kardashians, you have to, and I know this is going to upset some people, you have to respect the business acumen at times. I've seen Kris Jenner turn into the business uh, woman that she is, is truly incredible, even if it's considered repugnant uh, by myself, even included sometimes. She's wildly respected in Hollywood. I mean, and the the funny thing is it's, it's like, we don't see the real Kris Jenner. The Kris Jenner we see on that show is I'm just goofy. I'm just a goofy. I love all my kids. We don't see the real behind the scenes ball buster that I'm sure Kris Jenner potentially is to be able to create what she's created and do it so successfully. So what do you think? So the Kardashians are an anomaly because they're a family and the way that the family was formed and, you know, Chris and Bruce, you know, now Caitlin, Caitlin, yeah. um, you know, but they, they had a marriage that was male and women. They had babies. And now the, the, those are now supermodels. And I mean, like, when is that ever going to happen again? Do you know what I mean? When are we ever going to have, uh, well, you know, a Kardashian scenario? Think about it. I, with you the know, sex tape and everything. Well, if you if you you've probably read that book, uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Um, and it really talks about like, you know, you know, being at a specific time and place like Bill Gates happened to be in walking distance where they had one of the first like computer simulators or whatever. And he got to actually spend time with it. But if he hadn't have lived there, that wouldn't have happened. We will only see the Kardashians once in our lifetime, because what the Kardashians spawned is truly fascinating. They spawned influencer culture. You know, they might not be the number ones on TikTok or whatever, but they spawned it. They spawned 
being famous for nothing. They're the origin story. They are. They yeah, they're part like they're they made TV history. They're part of the origin story of reality television and influencer culture. And as is where the Housewives wasn't really a part of influencer culture. They were really the part of reality television. Kim Kardashian was and obviously Kris Jenner was mixing sales and marketing until Bethany came on. None of the Housewives were worried about Hawk and Wares. No. They were worried I, about screen I, time. I, I got to tell you, and especially Bethany is seems like she's pivoting to like a makeup uh, beauty blogger on TikTok where she's putting her makeup on now while talking about, you know, what's happening because that's huge on TikTok and she's doing really good at it. And I always find Bethany fascinating because I'm just like, what consumes you to to want to keep in the public eye after you've had so much success, done so much amazing charity work? What is that obsession with? I need to be part of And I think of this of anybody, not just Bethany, but what is that obsession of I need to do this TikTok? I need to keep going, even though I've supposedly succeeded at the mission statement she gave in Real Housewives of New York. I mean, we saw her journey. Wow. People love to be adored. You know, I mean, it's, you know, a rock star will tell you it's the highest high you could ever have is being on a stage performing in front of an audience and the power that you feel from the people. And I think that that can be addicting to people. You know, then you look at someone like Jim Carrey, incredible story where he said, quite quote unquote, like you'll probably never hear any actor or celebrity say this, but I have enough. I've done enough. I saw I am enough. You know what I mean? And I and love Jim that. Carrey, Jim Carrey's a great story. We always taught to actors or that, you know, when you're an actor in L.A., you guys, you hear more inspirational phrases by the age of 30 than anybody does their whole lives because it's just such a it's just such a, a hard uh, feat. And I know that sounds crazy because you're like actors who can. But it's really, you know, you see Brad Pitt and Jim Carrey, all these really successful ones, but you don't see the middle class and the lower class and people oh, yeah. that like come out here on a bus from Idaho because they, they were good in their high school musical. It's really wild, you guys. And the the Jim Carrey of it all is like everybody knows the story of Jim Carrey sitting on a hill up on Mulholland and writing himself a $20 million check. And it, it was his vision board, this $20 million check. And he eventually got it for, I think, Dumb and Dumber. And he put the check in his uh, dad's um, dad's coffin when his dad passed away because but he also realized at that point that dream of his, you know, the reality of that isn't wasn't all it's cracked up to be anyway. Right. I always think that's just really think about the Kardashians or or even Bethany, because my thought was and I used to think this with acting, too, of like, well, if I know how to act, why would I ever have to go to class? I already know how to do it. Like, I know how to do it. And it's like with the Kardashians or Bethany, I'm like, you're already rich. Why are you doing this? Like, why? Like, I isn't the point to, like, take care of your family and to do cool vacations and wear nice clothes? Like, why put yourself why put yourself so everybody has an opinion about you? Why? Especially why? in today's world. I mean, anybody, I remember someone when I was, you know, getting hate on the housewives and, you know, I was kind of used to getting love on the housewives and I, I mean, extreme hate, like really terrible things yeah. that are nothing like who I am or any of that stuff. And you have to ignore it. You know, I've been told you can't believe the hype. You can't believe the negative, all that kind of stuff. I think it's a purely American. I think American, one of our greatest exports is, uh, entertainment first off. And our other greatest ex- export is wanting more like they're just the yeah. needing more. And Jennifer Anderson's another great example of like somebody I grew up with that. I loved. I had a huge crush on Jennifer Anderson who didn't, but then you're like, wait, 
does she really need this money from the dry eyes commercials? Does she really? I mean, like she's really her. She needs to let everybody know she has dry eyes and get paid at the same time. I'm like, that the uh, the wanting more is such a uh, an us trait. And I even have that in my own. You know, it's like, OK, I have this many Instagram followers. Oh, but I think I need more. I think I I would I think I like I would like more. Like, you yes. know, you you fool yourself into it's never enough. Yes. It's never. And then that's the fallacy of life is, is, is there's a kind of a tinge of sadness to it of like, Oh, so I'm just never satisfied. Well, isn't that something? Because, you know, when you look at there's all these stories and I want to know some of the stories out there that you kind of can't get enough of right now, but like the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing to me is so sad. Like I didn't, I don't really watch a lot of television. I'll be honest. And you know what I catch, I do catch on Instagram and there was like a thing about it. And the, a psychologist from his defense team yeah, was yeah. Did you read that quote? And it was talking about excess and talking about the need to be loved and the need to be popular. And that's that's been going on for a long time. I got three little letters for you and they're really mighty and and, and huge. And it's EGO, man. It's ego. You know, with the ego, my best friend tells me all the time, seek and do not find. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that's the other thing is I, I love the thought of we learn until the day we die. Right. Yeah. And, but it's something that you have to accept and not fight against. And if you can do that, that's like one, I think of the secrets of life, but the Johnny Depp Amber Heard stuff is really fascinating too, because it, it blends perfectly into this transition of reality shows into reality. Like we're watching this trial, like a reality show. We're yeah. finding out personal details that are televised that people are doing YouTube commentaries on just right, like just talking heads right through it. I'm watching it on TikTok. I'm watching the, you know, very personal information, but I'm not even, I'm so desensitized because of reality shows that I'm like, well, this kind of reminds me of when uh, Ramona pooped right there and, you know, it was on the show and like, you know, like you, you, you make your mind just has seen so many and heard so many stories like this that you start to take this as just normal. And it's so not normal. It's not normal. Well, it started with OJ Simpson, right? When we saw real life play out. But the thing is, is two people were killed and he was a a loved football and star and actor. And so it was, of course, the whole world was, you know, just holding onto their seats to figure this out. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, not so much. Like, why do we even have to have that on television? Like, go in your closed courtroom or just fucking settle, quite frankly. Well, because I think Johnny, I mean, I think part of that, too, is that Johnny's glad it's televised. He's getting everybody to finally hear, quote unquote, his side of the story. So sad. And it's, it's, it's so just sad. a really weird, but that's but that's all based around money, too, is that he's no longer getting hired by Disney. He's no longer high. You know, these things always, I feel like, come down to money, but we consume them. And right. I just think sometimes we got to watch that. And I don't, I don't mean to uh, tell people what to do, but it is, sure. we've got to watch that. These are real situations with real people. And there is a difference between this and reality television. If you yes. watch something Telling Sunset on Netflix, which is their number one reality show right now that just came out this past week in the new season. One of the fakest shows I've ever seen in my life. The music is overpowering. It's the you think Housewives is glossy. These people must have lit the scenes for days. And the whole time you're watching, you just get the sense of like, this isn't real. Like this is. And but at the same time, you keep consuming it. It's like whatever they put into the Big Bang Theory that my dad loves. I'm always like, it's funny, but I don't know why you watch it this much. It's the same thing with Selling Sunset. You can't stop because you're being overpowered by the elements of all of this fakeness coming together. And your your soul is like, this isn't right. This isn't right. But you're like, I'll watch one more episode just to see if I can figure it out. And it's you're like, these can't be real people. It's really interesting. 
What I worry about is what you said early on is, is it all so much media, so much consumption. And I have teenagers who, you know, are literally born with this thing. It's like a part of an extension. The phone is an extension of their hands. And I remember even a few years ago, it started like Jonathan, my husband and I, we were like with punishments, like we, the phone couldn't be a punishment because we actually need it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. actually need it. I wish there was a way on iPhone that you could like, you know, how you can silence followers. I wish we could silence apps, you know, so I could go on my phone and only see my email and not get sucked in. You know or, what I mean? Sometimes I feel like there should be, and especially coming out of the pandemic, I feel like, you know, this will never happen, but the tech companies need to go together and like go, yo, uh, middle of July, we're giving everybody two weeks off of social media, go enjoy your lives. You can take some pictures, but we don't want to see them on the apps and just enjoy check in with your friends. You might not have seen them for a long time. Go take a hike. Uh, I would love if you were forced, like there was a day that Twitter was down or maybe it was Instagram. And I was like, wow, best day of my life. Like it was, I, I, I looked up and I was like, oh, my parents are here. Like I, I was like, I can talk to people again. I can, <laughs> I, I, I was looking at all the books. I was like, what is this a book? Like it, it was so exciting. And it was only for a couple hours, but it felt so freeing, which is such a dangerous thought, but also, you know, the, the other flip side of that is this is such a great tool, you know, it's, yeah. We're able to communicate with each other and other people and, and share memories. But I will say I'm, I'm so much more comfortable uh, either texting with a person or talking over a mic. If I met you in real life, I would be so nervous and so shy. And this allows me to have like, you know, a Batman like persona where I can be somebody that I'm potentially not in real life. Well, I love that perspective that to give someone who maybe has shyness or whatever, a different platform, a different way of expression and meeting people. That's a beautiful side to the story. And again, there is all the beauty, but I think what's missing is in the balance of the negativity. It's like, I did, I did an article with the New York post after I left the housewives. And I said exactly what you said, like everybody's culpable, everybody, the viewer is culpable. Everybody's culpable. The network's culpable. The, you know, reality stars are culpable. Like, what is it that we want to watch? What is it that we want to bring? And it's like the proverbial train wreck. You know, it's like, you've got to look when you go by the accident, you got to turn your head to see what gore you could see or what happened. I mean, I don't know anybody that turns the other way. You know what I mean? When you're driving past an accident, most people look at it. So And and also, I think, uh, you know, I'm using Bravo as an example uh, continuously, but this goes through all reality shows is that now you've added a criminal element to these things. You've added actually, you know, we talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. But if you look at last season of Beverly Hills, we're about to enter a new season with Erica Jane. And I've already seen the first episode and I know they're still talking about that there. You know, you have uh, Jen Shaw over on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City facing uh, possible jail time. You know, it, it almost then makes, you know. Real Housewives of uh, New Jersey, you're like, oh, you're just you're just fighting with that guy. Wait, wait, wait what are you going to steal money from somebody like, wait, where's the criminal activity? That's what I'm here for. What do you think about Roni? It's a perfect storm to ask that question because we're at a pivotal, pivotal place and there has to be some the show has changed. There's no question about it, yeah. but everything does. Nothing stays the same. But then it becomes a network, I guess, their their uh, responsibility to bring in the newness. I mean, I think what worked for Real Houses of New York was they fired three of the kids. So it was the origin story. Then they fired three of the cast, not just one. They fired three of the cast and brought in three new members that worked. And they were really scared of that. But that worked. It's these one offs bringing in one, bringing in one, bringing in one. It's not working. 
And yeah. so what do you think about the network? And then diversity, obviously, is a hot topic. And, <laughs> you know, where do you think they stand, Roni? What do you think? <clears throat> well, Roni will always be, to me, the high watermark of Bravo. To me, it was like, if you think of Beverly Hills as like a Michael Bay, big budget blockbuster movie, Roni was always the independent film that won awards. Roni was always the one where you could watch again and you'd get something differently. Uh, you know, it was like a little more than discomfort. It was like, wow, this is wild. Like, this is truly wild. And the reality shows that do it the best are the ones that kind of take you behind like, I don't know what a group of, um, you know, semi-wealthy ladies in New York that all know each other are like. I've never seen that. Like, wow, I get to, these people all know each other and they live a life that I don't know about. We have some commonalities, sure. But the thing that I, I mean, they're supposedly splitting it right into legacy, Real Housewives of New York legacy, and then right. a new cast, which we said earlier they couldn't find. And I think New York just as a whole right now is a very tough place to launch anything from because New York itself is in the center of trying to figure out who it is, the city and the city. Remember, it's Real Housewives of New York. It's not like we take these ladies and we throw them to like Tampa or something, you know. Right. So the city itself is going through a lot of turmoil. And I always feel like, well, that's going to be a real hard place to launch from, because how do you not make the city a part of it? How do you not make what the city is going through a part of the casting, you know? I hope and you're listening, Bravo and Andy Cohen, because that's the truth. They should show what's happening in New York right now. But the reality is if someone like Carol or I could show that, the reality of the legacy group doesn't show that. They don't work. They don't ride the subway. They don't do that stuff. Yeah, which, by I, the way, and there is a place for that because people do, like, that is true escapism. I feel like legacy will be an escapist show, will be, and, you know, I'm not sure if they know fully what it is yet. And I talked to Luann on my podcast this week, and she doesn't know where she's going, and, and which I find just truly scary of being on something for so long and not knowing if you're going to be a part of it. And they always seem like they keep a lot of people in the dark, which is what it is. But it's a one way contract is what it is. It's a one way contract. Yeah, well, I mean, I do. Well, that's the other thing is that you start to think of these people as family and you're just like, is she going to be OK? Like you start to like, is Sonia going to be OK? Like, are we is she you know, you think about it as bachelor contestants, too. All these people are now in our lives and we have to make sure they're taken care of for the rest of their. We have to buy their yeah. tummy tea and make sure they're OK because they all want to be influencers. You know, <laughs> like yeah. it's, I, I worry about that. Like I'm worried about my own self and my own family. I have to worry about these guys making a living. But don't the, you the, dare think the, one second about yeah, any of that. Yeah, no. I'd rather no, talk about you think about it as a family as if you spend so much time with somebody. Yes, you start. To I, I know it's help true. But care. But it's true. The, the new Roni, they would do a great justice if they cast, you know, of course, like it all begins with casting to really show like a, a lady between 30s and 40s. Uh, diverse would be great, but if not, let's like tackle diversity within the framework that you set up, but right. it, it can't be one foot in legacy, one foot in new. It's got to be all new and you got to start from scratch and you've got to kind of rest. Uh, you've you've got to trust the format. You've got to trust the format and you've got to trust reality that eventually fascinating things will come. And People have been born on these shows. So you have ladies now trying to get on these shows like it's a Saturday Night Live audition and yeah. they are buying houses just so they can impress the producers. And going like, bankrupt. 
And that's it. not, you know, and that's sometimes not the reality. That's obviously not the reality of that situation. And you, you know, it's like, we now are a culture raised on housewives. We have now, we are that. So it's, we're not getting really reality of anything anymore, except the reality of wanting of this to be aspirational. Yeah. But we see now, even that the fallacy in that is that it's not aspirational. Would you want well, to we need you to right come now? back, Bravo. They, they got to figure it out because everybody loves it. And I, I don't want to see it fail. I want to see it succeed. No. It may not be oh my, God. my success, is, but it's not my for me That's, anymore. Yeah. I critique but I do Bravo worry. I, I hope they figure it out. I hope they bring some new life and positivity and real storytelling into it. Or maybe they need to start to script it a little bit. I don't even know. But no, no, I think the script it to stay away from. I mean, I think the original idea. And also there, there, there's this great book you should read. It's called True Story, What Reality TV Says About Us by Danielle Linderman, who's a, uh, she's a professor and she's a, sociolo- a sociology professor. And she wrote this book and she pointed out the fact that reality shows are so great because it provides us, uh, the viewer, with an experience like no other, uh, a second screen experience where you know, you get to communicate through your phone. It, it's it's almost like virtual reality for us is that, it, you know, these two things are symbiotic. They work together. It's not just the reality shows. It's right. us. We are in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. We get to comment. Like you said, you got like really horrible comments, nasty, you know, but because that's, we've taken over in some ways of, of really not steering the ship, but we're more a part of it than it, we've ever been in terms of a fan of these shows or a viewer of these shows. I guess you got to keep looking for, you know, asking for what you want, because I actually personally think that the legacy and the all new was all trolling to see what the fans would say. That's what I, I mean. I, I really that's but what that's, I believe in my it's, heart. It's such a weird experiment to test with. You know, it really it feels there's something or Orwellian about it to me, of, of, you know, just Truman show about it of just, you know, how far will we go to, to, to make this show? And, and, you know, just, but even using page six, you know, it's like even using that to, you know, put out these stories or rate, I was in radar online this week for something and I was cracking up because I'm just like, wow. Like somebody, like somebody was like really desperate, had to go. It was about Kim, a Kim Kardashian belly Photoshop fail. Like she, and I said there was a belly button thief and I was being really like, just obviously that's a joke. There's a belly yeah. button thief in Calabasas because I couldn't find her belly button. Also, yeah. I don't wear women's girdles yet. And I, I, you know, obviously the belly button was in the high waisted and Girl. I made a post said breaking Kim Kardashian, her belly button has been stolen in Calabasas. Please keep <laughs> on the, and I made this story and people were like, and radar picked it up of like, you know, and then Kim actually commented on it. Cause she's like, come on, you guys, I didn't Photoshop my belly button. But the thing is, I'm like, Kim, you have to understand why we're so skeptical. We're skeptical of everything now because we've been lied to as an audience from you guys, sometimes from Bravo, sometimes from this, that we do have this natural suspicion about everything. And I truly do believe there's a belly button thief in Calabasas. <laughs> so funny. Well, I'll tell you, I, let's, one of the things that I want to talk about is, is from someone I love and we don't have to worry about her and her money, but let's talk about your obsession with Beyonce. Oh my gosh. You got to talk to Beyonce's mom. And I still like, I, I'm sure well, I worked this, for Beyonce, I mean, and, but you, know, you had her sort of- on this podcast. Like that's <laughs> insane. I mean, Beyonce is one of the, I've seen Beyonce shows by myself. That's how much I, I truly think what an artist, what a performer, I would compare her to uh, when I used to see Prince all the time and I would just be blown away. Like you almost have to believe in a higher power, but then you know how much work actually goes into that talent. 
And to me, that is so inspiring. Just so, I I mean, I've seen her in stadiums. I've seen her in smaller venues and her music is amazing, but it's her, it's her, it's, it's the connection she is able to make and the positive connection. You know, what's so amazing about Beyonce is that it all comes from a place of positivity. You never feel that it's thirsty. You never feel that it's like need, need, need. I mean, Beyonce will disappear. I mean, like, you know, we have, we don't know about Blue Ivy. We know about all the Kardashian kids. We don't, we, I, I haven't seen Blue Ivy in a long time. And guess what? It's really nice. It's really nice and refreshing to not know everything about somebody's kids because pop culture shoves it in your face. But just her talent alone is, is just I mean, I really geek out about it because I know how hard she worked to get to that point and to be. She does it all. I mean, she she does it all. She is um, she is. I have to say it because. You know, I even so people don't like Beyonce. Just so we talk about, she. I know. I got, I got into main. Fi- I got into fight. I once broke up with a girl because she said I like Rihanna better than Beyonce. Beyonce is not a good performer, and I was like, I don't think I could. I mean, legit, it was hysterical because I, I was like, I don't legitimately think I can get over this. Like, if you right. really hold that view, if you hold that view, and if you really are sticking to that, I don't know. Like, we're it was, too it different. Was, it was yeah. like a Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm conversation. <laughs> I was like, well, if you're just going to be wrong and you're just really proud of being wrong, I don't know what else to do. But I mean, you know, I grew up on on performers. I, I used to study Charlie Chaplin. I used to study I used to study these people and I come off really ignorant and goofy and I use that to my advantage. But like these things, like I, I know I know my stuff and like what yeah, you don't come off done, ignorant. You do well, not. Well, maybe not on this show, but on my show. I play. You know, <laughs> OK, I'm, OK. I'm but we're in a serious just, show here. There's somebody t- there's somebody like just touched by talent and and I just keep going hard back work, hard work. Dedication. I just keep coming back because that's what it's like even with this podcast or even anything that you've done successful in your life you know how much work was behind that and it doesn't right. mean it's not fun it no. just means that it's work hard I've work. never had I've never felt more fulfilled in my life but I've never worked harder in my life yeah. and I want to be the Beyonce of podcasting. <laughs> Yay! I love that. You know, I have to give it to Mama Tina because, you know, she raised Solange as another example, you know, a really talented, beautiful, strong women. They're hard, hard fucking workers, really hard workers. And both of them for their whole lives. It's just like, it's an ethic. I was a hard worker. I had an ethic that was working. I've always worked hard. I mean, I've worked for those hardworking celebrities and I've worked hard right along with them. You had a point in life where you were stuck, but you pivoted. You didn't stick. You pivoted. So what would you say to our listeners who are in the midst midst of having to pivot, you know, or feel like they need to do something else for their inner happiness? Start a podcast. That's it. That's it. Just start a podcast. Everybody's going to have one. It's going to know. Listen, I I think, and I still don't know if I'm the person to say anything about this, but I do want to, I want to say is that listen to that voice, listen to the voice of the thing that you're like, well, I'm really scared about all these other aspects of my life, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay attention to this over here. And I don't know why. And I'm going to really, for some reason, there's no stress there. There's no, you know, go more towards that. Learn to listen to that intuition. Even if you think you're not an intuitive person, listen to that, like pay attention to that, pay attention to what you're naturally drawn to pay attention to who you're naturally drawn to. Those are the things that I find that I'm like, man, why didn't I know this in my twenties? Why didn't I realize? Cause that's the other thing that sucks about life is that you start to realize all the things that your parents said and all these things that you're, elders and wise people said they're all true and it's really frustrating you're like frustrated about it but uh i would just say start now like that thing that you like 
run towards that. And it doesn't need to be a moneymaker. Do it for you at first. Do it for you. See what's there. Uh, explore things. Uh, I mean, you know, think about like, we only have a finite period on this earth, like what, a hundred years if we're lucky. And I don't even know if you're lucky if you're living into your nineties, but we have this finite time. And listen, I feel like I've woke, woken up way too late in life. And, and every day I'm scared. I'm scared out of my wits because I'm like, I, I, I don't have enough time now to do what I want to do. I don't have enough time. And I, you know, it's like, but just, just, just start today. It's just like one little step. That's it. Whether it be listening to this podcast, whether it be uh, reading a passage that gets you up in the morning, whether it be, you know, like there are so many things provided to us and, and realize it all comes down to, and this sounds really cheesy is that personal relationships and love is the people that are in your life. You know, the real people, the ones that are in your reality show, go towards them. Like, you know, these are people that are tactile. You can hug them. You can tell them you love them. They can say they love you back. These are the things that are really are true realities. Uh, and it kind of gives birth to everything else. So if you can kind of head in that direction, I think there's a lot of positivity there, you know? A hundred percent. Beautifully said, my friend. Well, I hope you keep analyzing the shows and don't worry so much. Everything's going to be just fine. The universe has your back. <laughs> can, I move, can, I, can I move in with you, Heather? Sure, honey. Come on. Come on. Come have a visit. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, so when you're not obsessing, Yes. over reality and pop culture and worrying about the fate of reality stars. How do you find your freedoms? What do you do, Brian <laughs> Bailey, that really frees you? Because you're stuck up in a world that can get worrisome and toxic and bring anxiety to you. You know so what I mean? Much I, noise. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I hike. I love hiking. My uncle Dale, who passed away about five years ago, he hiked every trail in California and he left me his, his book of trails with all his personal notes and uh, it's one of the best exercises. I struggle with my weight all the time. And it's something that I can get out there. It's active. I'm not at a gym. I can uh, listen to music if I want, or I can just listen to the wind. And there's so many. Or my podcast. Paths. Or your podcast. I, <laughs> I actually have listened to your podcast on a hike. But it's really nice to kind of get out of yourself and be around nature. And it is really the polar opposite of all of this stuff. And it's kind of the only balance I have right now. I keep saying to myself, I got to get back to reading or I got to get back to this. But sometimes it's nice not to hear your own voice and just listen to other things and be around another kind of environment. And uh, I'm really lucky to live in Los Angeles. So that's one of the only reasons I'm lucky to live in Los Angeles, because there's so many amazing places to hike. Like you can be yeah. outside of Los Angeles within Los Angeles uh, in a second, if you know the right uh, road to take. That's beautiful. I love it. We definitely share a lot of um, likenesses and hiking is another one. It's my church. 100%. It is my religion. And when I get out to LA, I'm going to have you take me on one of your uncle's hikes. Oh my God. We will. That would be amazing. That would be a true, true gift. It would be wonderful. Well, listen, you know, I'm not really into the pop culture thing that much. It's funny enough. And I just spent, you know, a whole, you know, podcast talking about it because you bring such a different light on it. And so I do appreciate your analysis of it and your your background and your history and where you come from. This is not just a catty place where you're like leaving shitty messages on people's Instagrams or, you know, obsessing over them, you know, like outside of, you know, 
being who you are and, and loving who you love and being widely open about that. And I think it's, I think it's wonderful. So for those people who don't know your podcast or where to find you, cause I've been on so bad. It's good with yeah. Ryan Bailey. No, say Start uh, there, start a Heather's episode, but yeah, we do a daily episode now, like four days a week. Uh, I usually take one day off. I was doing five, but it just became too much. We're all just kind of talk about my family or me, and then we'll kind of go into pop culture, news stories, and then we'll recap a show. Like today's episode was Countess Luann, and then I did a Summer House recap from Bravo. It's like a two-hour supersized episode. We handle the Kardashians. We handle OC. We, we kind of go everywhere, and there's so much to talk about that it's just a continuing conversation. But we have timestamps. Um, so you can go any which way. If you want to start with Luann and, and forget about all the crap I talk in the beginning, go right to it. Like these are your things to digest at whatever pace you want to digest them. And the only thing I will say is that it is silly, but I also say that, uh, we talk about radar online or page six. I don't, I'm not trying to get the gotcha moments. I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to get Luann talking about, uh, drinking. I wasn't trying, I'm, I'm trying to get that. It is so excited. Like this is exciting. These people are exciting to talk to. And so I try to uh, never be the the person that's going to get in the news. You know, that's yeah. why it's hysterical. The belly button thing got me in the news. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. So just try it. Uh, try it and see if you like it. If you don't, there's so many great podcasts out there. And the other thing I would just say, and for this podcast as well, and I say this all the time, leave a five star review. It's a quick tap of the thumb. Uh, it's so free. And these things that we do, we really put a lot of work into and the people behind the scenes do as well. And it's really a free way to help your favorite podcaster. And I started out independently and just needed it. And it helped me so much. I think I heard, well, that was one of the reasons they discovered me. And you can leave them on Spotify now too. And that's, that's the freest thing that you can do. And it really does help out. Well, thank you. Did all that for my podcast and I, and my team. And I appreciate that so much. So tell people where they can find you on Instagram, where they link into your podcast and all that stuff. Yeah. So bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram, uh, Ryan Bailey two five on Twitter. So bad. It's good with Ryan B on TikTok. I'm learning my way folks on TikTok. Just forgive me. And I think that's it. You know, there, there's going to be tons of stuff coming up that you can find on the Instagram. We're going to start doing live viewings of uh, things over on our Patreon. Uh, if you want to watch the shows together and we've got a lot of really exciting things and guests coming up in the future. And I'm just uh, truly blessed in, in this sense of my life. I love it so much. That's incredible. Well, you market yourself well. You should be very proud of yourself and don't worry so much. Like I said, well, I just love you so much. Thank you so much for being on my show. I got to have you back again. Oh, please. I'm anytime. your host. Yes, 100%. And me, you, whenever I have something to share. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. This is In My Heart. Be sure to follow along at I Am Heather T. Check out Ryan Bailey. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us and download whenever you stream your podcast because we're going to be here and we'll be at you next week with a new episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.